My dear brothers and sisters here and in all the connected congregations, for this festive service, we have a Bible word out of the Gospel, John chapter 6, the verses 26 and 27. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Please be seated. My dear brothers and sisters, it's good to see you. It's a nice way to greet each other in the English language and you greet something, somebody, and you tell him it's good to see you. I cannot speak in the name of Jesus Christ in that way, but I'm quite sure, I'm absolutely sure, that Jesus Christ is happy to see us this morning. When he was on earth, Jesus Christ showed and proved that everybody was important to him. He showed through the example of the lost sheep, of the lost son. He showed it with the paralyzed mind in Bevesta that he forgets nobody. And then even the lost one matters to him. He was thankful for the disciples who were with him. And he thanked his father for those the father has given, had given to him. He told his disciples, I had the fervent desire to eat this Passover with you. And I'm longing for celebrating Passover in heaven with you. And what was true for the disciples in that days is true for us today. You are important to Jesus Christ. You matter to him. He loves you. And he has a strong desire to celebrate Holy Communion with you. He's thankful that his father has given you to him. Brothers and sisters, and we, when we greet each other, it's nice to see you. Sometimes it's also important that we go a little bit further than just saying that. And that we prove and show our brother and sister, you know, you do matter to me. You are important to me. You know, I'm thankful that you are here. I'm grateful that you are part of the congregation. And you know why we're happy that we can celebrate Holy Communion together. Dear brothers and sisters, let us tell our brother and sister that we are thankful to have them. Let us show them that we love them. And let us express from time to time, in different manners, that we are thankful and happy to celebrate Holy Communion together. The Bible word of this morning is taken out of the chapter 6 of John. Okay, it's not a Bible writing, uh, reading morning today, but this chapter 6, I highly recommend 
you should read it from time to time because they are very important statements made by Jesus in this chapter 6 of John. It begins, you know the story, uh, many people follow Jesus, 5,000 people came and Jesus realized, oh, they are hungry and they have nothing to eat. So he made a great miracle. He fed them with uh, five loaves and two fish and he made it to provide food for all of them. And for sure, they were deeply impressed. My God, he had five loaves and two fish, and all of us, we got enough food, and there's even some rest. And they were deeply impressed. Some said even, oh, that must be the prophet announced by Moses. Because every Jewish people knew that, okay, Moses had promised, God will send you a prophet like me. So he said, oh, this man has provided food for all of us. He is the prophet. He will deliver us from the domination of the Romans, as Moses did with the people of Israel, and delivered them for the domination of the Egyptians. Oh, that's the new prophet. That's the successor of Moses. But that's not what Jesus wanted to show them. He wanted to make clear that he was the son of God and that he was sent by his father to provide salvation, to provide eternal life. They misunderstood the whole thing. And because they were so impressed and they thought, oh, that's the success of Moses, they wanted to make a king, to make him as a king. And when Jesus saw that, he ran away and he hid in the mountain. He didn't want that. He just disappeared. He didn't want them to make him a king. Next day, they found him again. And they came back. And then Jesus reproached them for coming for the bad reasons. And he said, you are just coming because you, are just coming because you got some food. But I'm not here to provide you some food. I want to bring you eternal life. That was the message of Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, it's important for us to know for what reason we come to Jesus. For sure, we can come to Jesus to get his help. And many people do that. They come to Jesus and they think, okay, if I go to church, if I'm a faithful believer, if I pray in the right manner, manner and if I do what I have to do, then Jesus will help me in my life. He will solve my problem. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Because we are aware that even if Jesus helps us in our daily life, that doesn't solve the whole problem. Because his help will last for a moment, but okay, we will get sick again, we will have to face other problems, it's just a short-term solution when Jesus helps us. And we are also aware that it's just one way to solve our problem. There are many other ways. Other people, they do not believe in Jesus Christ. They do not pray. They are not faithful. And they live at least as good as we live. They have just other solutions. They have other ways to solve their problems. They help themselves. They are working hard or whatever. They have other solutions. 
So if we just come to Jesus to get some help, we come for the wrong reason. Other people, like the Jews in that day, they want Jesus to rule the country and the society. As they wanted Jesus to become their king, and they thought, okay, if he is our king, he will deliver us from the domination of the Romans. He will settle our problem, and we will be a free, again, a free people. And we can live according to our faith and to our traditions. He will help us. That's also a kind of yeah, way of thinking in our society today. Many people think if we live according to the gospel, if we respect the commandments of God, if we do what Jesus tells us to do, then life in society would be much better. And they consider the Bible as a code of ethic. And if the whole society would live according to the principles and the basis of the, of the Bible, then life would be better. Maybe. Maybe. Why not? But we are aware that's also just valid for a short period. Because the problem, the root of the problem is a different one. All of us, we are sinners. We are imperfect human beings. And whatever we do, we will remain sinners. And because we are sinners, that will be a problem for us and for our neighbor. We live under the domination of the evil one since the fall into sin. Into sin. And even if everybody lives according to the Bible, that won't solve the origin of the problem. We will remain sinners. And so people will be disappointed, even if they live according to the law of God, even if they live according to the Bible, that won't solve all the problems. Because the, the origin of the problem is different. The origin of the problem is the fall into sin, the domination of the evil one. Problem is our weaknesses. So that won't solve the problem. And to have a good life in society, okay, the gospel is one of the ways that's possible, but there are many others. You can take whatever ethic you want, it works. Let's be open, it works. Jesus came not just to solve our problem in the daily life. Jesus didn't die for the society to have a better life in society and to rule the countries. Jesus came to offer eternal life. He wants to solve the whole problem. And he says, the origin of your problem is a domination of sin. I have overcame, overcome the devil and evil. And I want, you, I want to deliver you from this evil. I want to lead you into the eternal fellowship with God. I want men to live in the new creation where evil does no longer exist. That's the solution. And there's no other solution. As long as we are on this earth, we cannot be delivered from the power of evil. We cannot be without the consequences of the fall into sin. So Jesus came 
to provide eternal life, that's to say, to live in communion, in fellowship with God, in his kingdom, where everything is pure, everything is holy, there is no place for evil. That's his solution. And that's what he came for, that's what he died for. Oh, the people listened to him and said, oh, okay, it's about eternal life. And then Jesus said, you have to labor for this life, you have to labor for the food that gives you this everlasting life. So they had a normal reaction. And they said, oh, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What shall we do to, to have this eternal life, to get it? The first answer of God, of Jesus, was, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you cannot deserve it. <laughs> it's a gift of God. The Son of Man will give it to you. Because the Jewish tradition was, if you do the right thing and you behave in the right manner, you get the reward. And so they thought, okay, Jesus comes to give us eternal life. What do we have to do to deserve it? And Jesus said quite clearly, you cannot deserve it. It's a gift of grace. You cannot deserve it. You can accept it as a gift of grace, as a gift of God. All you have to do, you have to believe in me, you have to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's not a question to deserve something, just to be in a position to receive the gift. It, it's a gift, and it remains a gift of grace. But to receive this gift, you have to believe, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. That means that first you have to believe, well, that's for sure, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died. We have to believe in his sacrifice. We have to believe in his resurrection. We have to believe in his promise to come back. We have to believe in his teaching. That's the first step. Uh, believing in his teaching means that we take it serious. When Jesus said uh, to get eternal life, you have to, reborn, to be reborn out of water and the Spirit. And you have to receive my body and my blood, you have to celebrate Holy Communion. That's the teaching of Jesus. So, believing in Jesus Christ means we believe he's the Son of God, we believe in his resurrection, we believe in his return, but we believe also that we have to be reborn out of water and the Spirit, and we have to receive Holy Communion. But Jesus went further and said, if you want to have eternal love, you have to renounce yourself and you have to follow me. So it's not just a question of attending service, listening to the words, receiving the sacraments. It's also a question that you have to die for Jesus to live for Jesus. It's not just a question of deeds. It's about our hearts and our thoughts. We have to change and to become like Jesus. We cannot become as holy as he is. That's just impossible. But we have to make sure that our thoughts and our feelings are conformed to Jesus. That more and more our thoughts are the thoughts of Jesus. That the way we feel, that the way we speak, that the way we act is conformed to the model of Jesus. And that was meant when Jesus said, you have to die for me, to leave with me. We have to, to kill the old Adam, let's say this way, 
and we have to be more and more like Jesus to change in our heart. Nothing new I know. But nevertheless, it's essential that we are aware of it and we do it. So people came to Jesus for the bad reason, and he said, no, you should come for the good reason. It's interesting to show, to see also who stayed with Jesus. Because actually many people came. They came to, to get some help, as I said. They came because, ah, sometimes he did some spectacular things, and that was, well, that was exciting. When he multiplied bread and fish, that was something. That was interesting. Many came also for, uh, for his teaching. Not only he did great miracles, spectacular things, but his teaching was powerful, and they were deeply impressed by his teaching. They said he doesn't teach like the others. He teaches with authority, and they were impressed. But who stayed with him? Many of those who were healed by Jesus didn't stay with him. All those who came to see some miracles didn't stay with him. They disappeared. Not even those who were impressed by his teaching stayed with him. They left. Who remained faithful? Peter and the disciples. And Peter explained why they stayed. He said, you have the words of eternal life. You are the son of God. And those were the two reasons, because they stayed with Jesus. They remained, because they could see and experience he has the words of eternal life. It's about eternal life. He is the way. He can lead us into the eternal fellowship with God, and he is the Son of God. And that gave them the strength to stay with Jesus. Jesus left, he returned to his father, he sent his apostles and provided them that with the task, you will make disciples, you will baptize them, you will teach them. And that's the task of the apostles to make disciples. I said yesterday, it's not a question to make followers, but disciples. The follower, he follows because he's waiting for something. The disciple, he is there to learn and to become like the master. That's the difference. So the task of the apostles is to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them. And the whole church is called to help the apostles to make disciples and to teach the gospel. All of us, we have got the mission to profess our faith, to announce the gospel, and to help others, our neighbors, to find the way to Jesus and to follow Jesus and to be saved. So how can we do that? And what can we do for people to find Jesus and to stay with Jesus? How can we help them to find the way to the apostles and to stay with the apostles? For sure we can tell them, oh, come in our church. You pray and you will experience God's help. Again, it works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, and they are disappointed. We can tell them, yeah, look, our services are so interesting. Well, something happens. But many will say, oh, new apostolic services, they are boring. <laughs> well, 
God, there's a powerful preaching. Oh, sorry, but not on this Sunday. <laughs> you understand what I mean? It's, but this is the way we promote it. Yeah, some will come, some will stay, but not all of them. What can we do? We can help them to find Jesus and to stay with him. We can help them to find the apostles and to stay with them when they can see and experience Then it's always about eternal life. That what we are looking for, what we are struggling for, is to be in communion with Jesus Christ. Our goal, the purpose of our faith, all of the work we make is we want to be one with Jesus. We want to conform our thoughts with the thoughts of Jesus. We want to have close fellowship with him. It's always about Jesus, not just about his teaching, not about this or that. We want to be like Jesus. We want to have fellowship with Jesus. It's all about eternal life. For sure, it's not the most easy way to attract people. It's easier to attract them when you promise them wealth and happiness and whatever on earth. But that's not our task. We are here to help the apostles to fulfill their task. It's about eternal life. The disciples stayed with Jesus because they were convinced he is the son of God. In other words, they didn't stay with him because of his deeds, because of, but because of whom he was. We are not the son of God. But we are children of God. We are not perfect. All of us, we are sinners. And if we try to convince our neighbors that we are children of God because we are better than others, they will laugh at us because it takes 10 minutes to prove that that's not true. Sure. But brothers and sisters, that is our ambition. We want to prove that we are children of God, that we belong to God, that we have fellowship with Jesus, that we are in communion with Jesus. And that's not that difficult. You know, it's quite easy to show them that, yeah, we respect the commandments. Yeah, we live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But not because we are forced to. Not because we are afraid we do not want to be punished by God. Not because we are expecting a blessing or a reward because we are nicely obedient. We respect the commandments and we live according to the teaching of Jesus just because we are one with Jesus. His will became our will that lives in us. You are not forced to obey the commandments. You are not forced to do the will of God. We are just one with him. And we are convinced that's the truth. That's the way. And we respect the commandments. We do the will of God if we are successful or not. If we get an earthly blessing or not, that doesn't matter. We do what we do because we are convinced of that. Just because we have one with Jesus, 
His opinion, his will, is our opinion, is our will. Whatever happens, blessed or not, successful or not, we do it. We serve Jesus, not because we are interested by some salary or some, yeah, some success or whatever. We, we serve Jesus because it's our nature. His life lives in us. And he came not to be served, but to serve. And because he has given us his life, we are aware we are sent to serve. If people do accept us or not, that's another problem. But we serve because it's our nature. We love. If they love us or not, that doesn't matter. We love because it's our nature. We want the neighbor to be saved. We love him. We want him to share with us our spiritual wealth, our treasure. That's the purpose. And that's our nature. And that's the way we can prove and show that we are children of God because the nature of Jesus Christ lives in us. I cannot say that if we do that, uh, the number of our membership in the USA will double. Because that doesn't depend on us. Jesus made it very clear here. He said, those who the Father has given me. Nobody can come to me unless the Father draws him. So he made it very clear. That's the business. That's the Father's business. He calls the people. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are aware that we cannot force somebody to become a Christian. We cannot force somebody to become new apostolic. We cannot convert something. That's a story between God and each and every man. And we will never understand how God is dealing with that. The election is and will remain a mystery. It's not a business and we do the right thing and then you find a customer and you can sell him your stuff. That doesn't work. It's a mystery. God elects. We are not responsible for the success of the operation. All we are responsible for, we have to transmit the message. We have to profess our faith. We have to live according to the gospel. We have to love our neighbor. That's our task. That's what we are responsible for. But we are not responsible for the success, for the number of people who come. That's not our task. That's the task of God. Those who are drawn by God will come to Jesus. We are just sent to be a tool. And we do it because it's our nature. Jesus served men he didn't count how many are following me. Oh, now only a dozens are left. Oh, it's not worth continuing. No, he went on. Because his purpose or his goal was, I want to do the will of my father. Because I'm one with him. And that is our motivation, dear brothers and sisters. We want to have eternal life. We follow Jesus. Because we want to have eternal fellowship with him. And we are aware that the real bliss is when we are with him in eternity. Delivered from the evil one, definitely. We became a new creature in Christ and we live with him.
Because we are this new creation, Jesus lives in us. And because he lives in us, we do as he did. We do his will because it's our nature. We serve him because that's our mission. We love him because we are full of love. And if people become aware of that, those who have been chosen by God will find the way. Again, brothers and sisters, please do not give up. We do our best. We try to find the best way to transmit the message. But the most important part is and remains. We have to change ourselves. And we have to make sure that the life of Christ lives in us. And that has consequences on our behavior, on our following Christ, on our obedience, on our love for the neighbor. And God will bless our work. Amen. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, I don't know so much. <laughs> but I know this was the right place for all of us this morning to be here in the divine service, to be blessed by our Heavenly Father through our Chief Apostle. And as our Chief Apostle said, the Jewish people at that time of Jesus, they, had, they have had the idea to have an easy life. Of course, it would be comfortable to get food for nothing. That would, that would be a nice situation. But as our Chief Apostle explained to us, that was not the meaning of Jesus Christ. I was reminded to a story we can read in the, in the Holy Scripture as well. There was a young paralyzed man and he has had four friends. And these friends wanted to help him. And they heard about that Jesus will come into this spot and then they try to do the best for, his, for their friend. And they come to this house where Jesus was. And he stood I think in the middle of the house and many people came there and it was occupied by all the people so it was not possible for these friends to bring their friend to the Lord Jesus. So they climbed up the roof, opened it and let the friend down to the feet of the Lord Jesus. And then I think all were very exciting what will happen now. And then the Lord Jesus said to this young man, Your sins are forgiven. Of course, they were disappointed. What does he say now to him? Your sins are forgiven. And the Lord, he knows their thoughts. And then, I said in my words, he explained what is really important. To get the eternal life. And for that, it, it is necessary that our sins will be forgiven. But to show his godly power, he said then to this young man, and now stand up, you be healed. Our chief apostle mentioned as well, can I say it very open, the so-called hallelujah churches. I always say they make the lame seeing and the blind going, not the other way. And if it don't works, they say, ah, you do not believe enough then they are guilty. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He loves all of us. And he wants to bring the best to us what we can get. It is the eternal life to stay for all the time, for all eternity with him.
And our chief apostle mentioned as well what is our task. Our task is to spread out the Gospels, brothers and sisters. Let's do it. And it's not a question of number. If we are only two or three, I conducted some weeks ago in one of the Arabic countries a divine service. We were just six people. But it was a wonderful, a wonderful atmosphere because all of us, we are connected in our hearts and souls as brothers and sisters. And if we always open our heart to receive that what our Heavenly Father gives to us, spiritual gifts, then I'm convinced he will prepare us for the great day of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he will give all of us a, a new and great grace that we are accepted in grace by the Lord and see him as he is. I wish all of us the best from the bottom of my heart that we, see, that we will each other see again there at at the faith, at the goal of our destination. Amen. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters here in this uh, hall here, as well as in the connected congregations, it is nice to see you. As our, this, our chief apostle said at the beginning, can you picture this word uh, reading through the email or in the letter? It's nice to see you. You would say to yourself, if somebody would send you a letter like that, what's the matter with this individual? Nice to see you. I don't see nothing of you. I only see a letter. There has to be a personal contact there. There has to be a connection there for somebody to see the other one. How is it when somebody hasn't seen somebody for 40 or 50 years, the first time they see each other, and they look into each other's eyes, they embrace each other, and they say, it is good to see you again. Brothers and sisters, close your eyes. Here at this altar, it's Christ's altar. He spoke to us here in this morning through our chief apostle. It is nice to see you, nice to meet you at that source of help, of blessing, of guidance, where we receive the invigoration again for tomorrow and the next day. We come here not just because we come to church. We are not just churchgoers for the sake of being in a denomination or a church. We come here, as our chief apostle said it so nicely, not for a short-term solution, but for long-term, for eternal salvation. And that is so easy to say, eternal salvation, we can see it. It's not always there in front of us. Everybody of us is more in the short term of it. And sure, we get hungry, had a wonderful meal, you forget it. And next morning, you're hungry again. That's what short term means. That's, short, that's what short term also means in our life here and there, when we just live from today to tomorrow. But he said it in such a nice way. Don't just look to tomorrow. Don't just look to the next day. Look into the future. Look at this moment when we can be together. Eternal salvation with the Lord. That's why we are Christians. That's why we belong to our faith. That's why I believe everything that is being, has been brought to us also in this morning's hour. I think of Peter when our chief apostle mentioned Peter and the connection that he had with Jesus. It was not just a loosey-goosey one. And in fact, Peter was not the perfect guy all the time either. I mean, nobody of us had ever said that beautiful saying that we read in Scripture, get behind me, Satan. That is a word to, to swallow. So he had his issues too, but yet despite of all of these issues, he was connected, not loosely like this, like two gears in a, in a watch, 
connected with Jesus Christ in everything that he did. He watched them, he saw them, he heard them, and he emulated them in every way, form, and shape. He wanted to be like him. That came out at the end when he said, where shall we go? You have the words of life. You are the one that penetrated us with your words. We want to be where you are. And then, on the other hand, there were the two disciples of Emmaus. They were also the circle of the apostles, and yet just a little bit of different. Yeah, when Jesus finally left, they were all disgruntled. They were down, and they didn't know anymore where to go, and they marched out of the city. Took them a whole day with a wanderer together. You know the story. And yet at the end, they could say, our hearts pricked. There was still a connection there. They realized there is something in this individual that connected us with them. And finally, when they realized it was Jesus, when you read it, it's interesting. It took them a whole day to get to that place. On the way back, they ran back because they were filled with a zeal and a joy. They saw their master. Brothers and sisters, do we see our master in every service, in the divine services? Do we see our master in Holy Communion when the priest stands in front of us, when he speaks those words over us? This is the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus given for you. That is not just something ordinary. That is the highlight of our services when we can reconcile, when we can be at peace with with each other again. That is long-term, not short-term. We... Brothers and sisters, I hope we are here for the long-term solution. We are here for the long-term to become the bride of Jesus Christ and to be with him. As our chief apostle said, retirement is a tent here for us, uh, for me here in this morning. I must say, I'm just a small tool in the Lord's hand. And I tried with you in your good moments, in your not-so-good moments, I counted with you the tears that you shed. I sweated with you when you had nothing left. I tried to be your coach in your faith when you wanted to give up as good as I could. I wanted to do everything just for one purpose and one reason. I wanted to help you on the long-term solution, not in the short run, that we can make it on the day of Christ's return. Let us move together with our chief apostle, with all of us, to make this goal. What will it be like? Well, then Jesus Christ will tell us all by himself. It is nice to see you here in this place. Amen. Amen. Couldn't somebody explain to me why I have to retire this man? <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, An important part of this service consists in celebrating together Holy Communion. It's a special moment when we celebrate Holy Communion together and it's a special source of strength, celebration of Holy Communion, provided we celebrate it in a worthy manner. And I know many brothers and sisters have this concern that how can I be sure that I celebrate Holy Communion in a worthy manner? Is that related to the, the atmosphere in the congregation? Is that related to the way I'm dressed or to the way it is? I don't know. No, I can tell you the key 
to celebrate Holy Communion and worthy Mary. It's a question of love. It's a question of love towards Jesus Christ. If you are really longing for having fellowship with Jesus, if you have this strong, deep desire, I want to be in communion with Jesus Christ. I want to be with him. If this deep desire does exist, then the rest comes automatically. If you have this deep desire to be one with Jesus, united with him, then repentance comes automatically. Because you remember, oh, I've done this and this, and that was not in accordance with Jesus. And because of my sin, I may be separated from Jesus. Then you don't have to preach two hours about repentance. You are repentant. Because it hurts you that you have been a sinner. It hurts you that you can be separated from Christ. And you have this longing for grace. Please forgive me. I want to be with you. I want to stay with you. If we have this longing, I want to be with Jesus, then you are struggling for conforming your thoughts with his thoughts. It's no longer a matter, yeah, who is right, who is wrong. Why? Can you explain? Where is it written in the Bible? And why this and why that? You have just one wish. I want to be one with Jesus. And so I want to give up whatever separates me from him. If you are not in agreement, I will give it up because I want to be one with Jesus. If we have this longing to be one with Jesus, then it's not difficult to be one with your brother and sister because you want to consider your neighbor as Jesus considers him. And because you want to be online with Jesus. Do you? I could develop this thought, but you are. You are apostolic enough, you can do it yourself. It's all about love. The greater our love for Jesus Christ is, the more easier it is to prepare ourselves for the celebration of Holy Communion. Dear brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit has poured out the love of Christ in our heart. Let us allow this love to grow. And it's really my wish that every and each child of God has this longing for fellowship with God. Then God can help. And as the Apostle just said, you will experience right now a part of this fellowship with Jesus while celebrating Holy Communion. When Jesus tells you through the Holy Spirit, this is my body and my blood. In other words, I'm here for you. I am with you. May you feel this and experience this. That Jesus tells you this morning, don't worry. Whatever you've done, whoever you are, I'm with you. I'm on your side. And what can we answer? We can answer Jesus. And I am definitely on your side. I want to be and to stay with you. 
Nothing complicated. But I tell you, and you know it, celebrating Holy Communion this way is always a wonderful source of strength and it doesn't depend on the number of people celebrating Holy Communion together. Maybe they are five, maybe they are 500. The blessing and the feeding is exactly the same. Okay. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, as announced, Apostle Hecht is going to be retired, has been active for 42 years as a minister in our church, has served as an apostle for more than 70 years. Yeah, you know it, in Tanzania, East Africa, Great Britain, Ireland, and even in the USA. <laughs> oh, my dear apostle, I'm afraid you have to come here. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> oh, you never know. <laughs> My dear Apostle, it's, on one hand, it's an easy task because there's a lot of things to say. Uh, on the other hand, it's, uh, on the other hand, it's a task I don't like to do. I don't like to retire people. But at least it's a great moment to express our gratitude, what we definitely do not often enough. And I want to express you and your wife and your family, our gratitude for the work you've done, for your service, for all your sacrifices. It's, yeah, it's for sure it's impossible to summarize all things. I can only uh, speak from my point of view, and if I would have to describe you, I would say about you that you have the passion for Christ. That's something that burns in you, this passion for Jesus Christ. And one can see it, one can feel it. When you serve, looking at you at work, it's something burning in you. That's recently I said this term, this Greek term of enthusiasm. That means God lives in you. You are a perfect example for that. That lives in you. You didn't have a task to fulfill. You had the need to do something for the Lord. And that's, that's wonderful to have such brothers, such children of God, they are burning for Christ. You are such a man who is burning for Jesus Christ. He doesn't fulfill a mission. He has the need to serve and to help Jesus. You've had the passion for mission. That was your, your wish that you needed to share your spiritual treasure, your, your wealth. You needed to share that with as many people as possible. Everywhere God sent you, you were there and you wanted to do this missionary work just not to teach them, look what I know, what you don't know. You wanted to share your spiritual treasure. And you did it as far as I know, and oh, I know quite a few things. You did it in a wonderful manner. And God has blessed it in an evident manner, has blessed your commitment and your work. Thankful for that. You have not only been a preacher with fire, I've also been a servant with love and compassion for our brothers and sisters. I don't know everything, but I've heard some, some stories. And you never hesitated to do a long trip just to comfort somebody who was suffering. Because you knew this brother, this sister now needs my help. And then you didn't hesitate. 
you went there because the shepherd has to be with his flock. Thank you for this special investment and commitment in this work of soul care. You have been a source of strength and for comfort for much more brothers and sisters than you can imagine. And I want to be their spokesman today to thank you for this special work of compassion, of love, of comforting, of soul care. You have also been a good team worker. And I like this. When I look at you, how the way you work here in the USA, it's a team. Everybody can say what he thinks, what he wants, and at the end they come to an agreement and they just do it. And in this sense, you have been a very, very good co-worker and a very good supporter and help for the distapostle you have been working with. Thank you. And doing that, you and us, you have been a wonderful co-worker and a help for the chief apostle you have been serving with. And I want to thank you also for that. On behalf of the district apostles, on behalf of the chief apostles, thank you for your collaboration and for York. And then for sure, and then and I have to mention your wife and your family as well. You have been a man and you have been a family of many, many sacrifices. You never hesitated to bring these sacrifices. And God and only God knows how many sacrifices you have brought, you, your wife, and your family. You did it out of love for God. Maybe sometimes you did it because we, the servants of God, have been a little bit too demanding. And I'm aware of that. And I want to beg your pardon and the pardon of your wife and your children if from time to time it happened that the church has been too demanding. We could have done in another way. But you weren't upset, you just did it. Thanks for that. God will bless these special sacrifices in a special manner. And now I ask the congregation to stand up. My dear apostle, my dear friend, Herewith, I release you from your mandate as an active apostle, but you remain our apostle. And we thank you. And I repeat it, I thank you on behalf of the whole congregation. I thank you on behalf of the chief apostles, of the district apostles, of the apostles, all the brothers you have been working. Thanks for the work done, for your love, for your sacrifice. It is our wish that you can enjoy God's peace and God's joy in your retirement. The peace of God may be with you. Sure, not everything was perfect because that's just impossible. But the grace and the peace of God is with you because what you did, you did it out of love and out of your faith. And God could bless it. We wish you all the best, my dear. All the best. Thank you, my friend. And as promised, there will be a new apostle. You know him already. That's District Evangelist Robert Ferguson. My dear brother, 
You have to come. <laughs> Dear servant of God, once more, as I told you, we thank you. The congregation thanks you. The circle of the apostle thanks you for answering this godly call to become an apostle of Jesus Christ and to serve the Lord and to serve the church as an apostle. You know what your task consists in? The first task for an apostle is to be, that's just a thought, the first task of an apostle is to be a true disciple of Christ. That's to the congregation must see that you want to learn from Christ. They must see that you want to follow him, that you want to become as Christ. You want to conform yourself and your life and your thoughts and your heart to those of Christ. The first task of an apostle is to be a true disciple. As an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul said, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You talk and you act on behalf of your sender, Jesus Christ. Please announce the will and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Announce and transmit the message of Jesus Christ. I often summarize the message of Jesus Christ. When you put it together, you can summarize the message of Jesus Christ in one word. Come! And that's the message of Jesus Christ for all men. That's what he wants him to know. Just come. And that's the message you have to transmit to all and everybody on behalf of Jesus Christ. Come. Come to God. Be reconciled with God. And then you have to show them the way. How can they come to God? How can they find him? You have to act on behalf and in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ did everything out of faith and out of love. Work in this manner, and then you will be a true ambassador of Jesus Christ. Your task consists in preparing the bride of Christ. That's why the apostle ministry is recopated in our days. So never forget, the, whole, the main thing, it's all about the return of Christ. Make sure that whatever is organized, whatever is done in the church, whatever you give an, an input, it's about the return of Jesus Christ. That is and remains our priority number one. And then you have to be also a leader of the church. You will lead the area, the apostle area. Do it also as a servant of God. A good leader is a good leader that le who leads with wisdom. And there's a saying in our language in French, the greatest wisdom is to love God. What you do out of love is done with wisdom. Be a humble servant. Be a servant full of love, and then you can be a wonderful leader. Now I ask you in front of God and the congregation as a witness, are you willing to serve the Lord? as a true apostle of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ, to do his will and to announce his message? Are you willing to lead 
the church, you are the part of the church you are in charge of, with love and humility. Are you willing to act according to the law and the rules of the new apostolic church? Are you willing to act in the unity with your district apostle, with the apostles and with the chief apostle? Then please confirm it with your yes word. Yes. Almighty God, dear Heavenly Father, you've heard this yes word of the servant you have called and chosen to become an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now fill him with your strength, sanctify him and bless him. Sanctify me so that through the activity and the power of the Holy Spirit, this servant of God can receive the authority, the sanctification and the blessing he needs to become and to be a true servant, a true and apostle of Jesus Christ. Please, Holy Spirit, be powerful and grant him what he needs. Hear us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please kneel down. Now receive the holy ministry of an apostle of Jesus Christ in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For the power of God the Holy Spirit, receive the authority, the sanctification, and the blessing to act and to work as an apostle of Jesus Christ. For the Holy Spirit receive the authority to dispense the sacrament of holy seeding in order for believers who are baptized with water to become children of God, to receive the, go the gift of the Holy Spirit and to be able to become firstlings in the kingdom of God. Receive the authority to proclaim forgiveness of sins by direct authority of Jesus Christ. Receive mandate and authority to ordain servants in their ministry on behalf of Jesus Christ and in accordance with your district apostle according to the needs of the congregation. The Holy Spirit fill your heart with his wisdom it helps you to increase your knowledge. May the whole Lord Jesus fill your heart with his love so that you are able to love all the children of God and all men with the love of Jesus Christ. The Almighty God will be with you. He will protect you. He will lead you. And he will defend you. The peace of the risen one be with you. The blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit abide with you. Amen. Amen. My dear Apostle, our best wishes, we are thankful to count you in the circle of the active Apostles. It's, no one of them is perfect. All of us, we are poor sinners. But together we form a wonderful team. I tell you, you will experience it. And we are glad and happy and thankful that you are now part of this team. I welcome you as an apostle in the circle of the brothers and sisters. They are waiting for you. They trust you, love them, and they will follow you. All the best, my